You are listening to the I Plead the Truth podcast, where the truth is never canceled, where the truth is never censored, nor will it ever be diminished. We are here tonight. Uh, this is your host, Junior. I'm here with Gene, and we got a special guest tonight. His name is Jay. You are listening to him in the background. First of all, we want to let Gene introduce himself. Go ahead, Gene. I thank God you started this ministry, bro, because it really is going to have huge impact on a lot of lives. I just really consider it a pleasure to be a part, and I know folks are really going to be uh, not just entertained, but enlightened with Jay's testimony tonight, so I'm believing for an awesome night. Go ahead, Jay. Introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? My name is Jay. I uh, just want to introduce myself as a um, Potter's House Christian. Uh, we're out here just preaching the gospel. I really want to share something really important on my heart, something God put on my heart uh, to speak about, and I'm praying that it ministers to you guys. So, Yeah, so like I said, this is this is Jay in the background, and I had to put him on there. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I think he needs to bring this one back. Uh, before we get started, we do have a, a, a spectacular testimony that we are going to speak about. Uh, this night but before anything I want to let everybody know I know people have been waiting uh, to find the podcast on Google to find the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts I do want to let you guys know that you guys can go back and listen to it on Apple um, there were some technical difficulties with Apple but um, it looks like everything's squared away but if you do have any issues you could go back on Spotify and listen to it um, for the, and, uh, the Android users you could uh, go on Google Podcasts I Plead the Truth and you will definitely find me um, in the podcast and the new episodes and I Plead the Truth uh, podcast. So please join us. Uh, we're going to have a tremendous night tonight. Uh, we have Jay in the building. So let's get straight into it, man. What's going on, Jay? Oh, not too much, man. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, first of all, I'm a fan. You know, uh, I've listened to, to this Randy, man, the last one with Randy. God bless her. That was a powerful testimony. It was just so exciting to see. You said something really important, and you said that you were able to watch the growth or you right. know, something about being able to watch the transitions. And um, as as you were saying that, I remember those things, too. And, right. I, and I just thank God that I was able to witness the hand of God move on Randy's life, and that was really exciting. So I'm Really excited to be able to share mine, too. Yeah, but um, first of all, how long have you been doing music, man? Because I, I stepped in five years ago, and you already had music out. How long, how long ago did you start? So um, how far back you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I, you took it serious, when you said, okay, I'm going to take music seriously. I, um, I was influenced a lot, so I, I grew up in New Jersey, um, Music-wise, I was influenced a lot with, um, like, East Coast rap, storytelling rap, um, the type of music that, like, kind of took you somewhere, took you to a different place, and, and you almost felt like you were, you know, whatever that person was rapping about. And right. uh, I felt that that was, like, for me, like, really just special and, you know, magical. So um, the reason I say that is because I always wanted to escape my reality. Mm. The kind of life that I was, you know, living, I, I always, I've always longed for something, wanted to experience something, or even just be able to express what I was going through. And a lot of the times I couldn't find the words to do so. So I found music uh, to be one of those outlets. And so as I started to become a fan of music and a, a fan of artists, I wanted to emulate that. I wanted to be able to talk about what I'm going through, talk about my feelings, talk about, um, my pains, my struggles, or, or, you know, what have you. But, um, so I actually started taking it seriously at a young age. I was, I felt really connected to my lyrics and yeah. 
they weren't the best lyrics. <laughs> you know what I mean? I will say this. Listening to this track, you sent me the playlist. And I, you know what? I might have heard it one time before. Maybe. I think it was Rick. Or I think you sent me this playlist a while back. And I listened to this and I said, this one's me. Because mm. I grew up listening Midwest, East Coast yes. rap. And that was like... You know the storytelling. Yeah. You know you had different artists, and and obviously it was it was embedded in the culture, right? right? Obviously, I don't listen to that music no more. I listen to brothers like Jay, Come on. you know, and, and and other brothers that have music out there. Shout out to uh, Pastor Steve Wynn. Let's go in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Um, but you know now I got brothers I can listen to, right? That can relate to the to the walk I have now. But definitely. Um, that beat as soon as it dropped i was like okay this one this one's it right here (laughs) you definitely got to bring this one back so you started taking music seriously at what age man i couldn't tell you the age um music is just always something that like hit different for me you know um so i i want to say all my life i was just that's just how i got away from things you know just how just in my corner listening to music literally any chance i get couldn't sleep without music on, you know, right. like I'm, I'm not like the be, be calm in silent places. Like I need to have something playing. You can ask my wife, I, I'll have the whole house blaring, <laughs> you know, and, and that's where I'm comfortable. I, I need to be able to hear something. So, um, but if I had to guess, you know, probably like fourth, fifth grade, fourth, fifth yeah, grade, just really you like were penning stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> writing poetry, guys. I right. was a poet. Right. Everybody was a poet. <laughs> I was a poet. Um, and I don't even know what that means. Like, I, I just I just tried to write lines uh, with a rhyming word at the end. <laughs> so I don't even know. But yeah, I, I, I considered it a poetry. It wasn't until like I was like, oh, I could actually like I remember. So I got to say this. I remember taking, you know, a little eight track and then like a blank one and then recording on a mic and then flipping that thing and then playing that while you were recording on a different eight track and flipping that thing and thinking you had something cool, you know. And that's <laughs> what recording used to be <laughs> like. Yeah, and did you, you just say eight track, bro? Did yeah, I don't even A-track? know. So on a podcast to explain that, I can't. <laughs> that's it's so ancient. So I just I just revealed how old I am. Um but yeah, no, it was it was one it was an experience for me. I was like, I thought I was gonna first of all, I thought I was gonna be somebody. I was like, yeah. Everybody <laughs> like, like I got a I got a boom box. If for you guys on the podcast who don't know <laughs> what a boom box is, I had this little radio that recorded things. And um Right. And so yeah, I, I felt cool doing that. And I had a I had a stack. I had a, you know, they come in those boxes with like sixteen of them or eight, yeah. you know. And I had them, I had them all full, and I was. I was and we just have the J mixtape <laughs> available. The merchandise will be here soon. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and I and I, I felt like at the time I was just doing my best to express what I was, right. what my life was. Did you ever try to record before you stepped into the church? Yeah, um, plenty of times. So I, I ended up with a group here in Vegas. Um, you know, uh, just a bunch of friends of mine, and. Uh, people that you know we linked hearts with on, on a lot of issues in life and so we started doing um we would record you know any chance we got with with anybody that was able to to record and um we we would you know try and do venues and and we did shows and and it, you know tried to have a good we really was trying to build a following of people because at the time you know and i'm sure it's like this for anybody like it's not so much if your music is good right or if your music is like what's in it's if you can draw a crowd 
Right. So like we could be garbage, <laughs> like if we could draw a crowd, then the venue wants you there, you know. Right. And so that's basically what we aim for. So yeah, um, that transitioned l- later on into my into my teens, uh, early twenties that to do music and and still do that. But I kept the same, like I never changed my approach. Uh, my approach was always like, um, try to tell a story, like try to tell, try to bring somebody somewhere else, right. try to bring them. To your to your zone, like to your your thoughts, to, to your headspace, you know what I mean. Try to get them to understand where you're coming from. That's good. That's yeah, man. You just explained my whole upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was raised by the music, basically. Yeah. And so when you said I have my house banging with music, my wife could tell you. My wife could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. You're cleaning. You're playing music. Yes. You, whatever you're doing, you're playing music. For the first time ever, three days ago, I read my Bible listening to jazz. Wow. And I was like... What was that like, bro? <laughs> you know what? I had it real low, and I was like... Like a Gene voice? <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, this is different. Mm. I don't think I could read my Bible like that all the time. Right. But it was definitely something different. I was like, wow, this brought a new experience. Maybe, maybe I could. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll retain more stuff like that. Hey. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but um, no, I, I can't. I got to completely silence in the <laughs> house when I read. People tiptoeing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And there is that element. Like, um, I could have music playing. I, I, love, I love studying the Bible with something in the background. But I can't, I can't know the song. Does that make sense? Like, I can't know the lyrics to that song. Like, it could be a Christian song or whatever, but I just, I just can't know the lyrics. You don't want to sing along. I'll find myself, you know. <laughs> so, you got to discipline yourself when you study the Bible, guys. Right, come, come on. on. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you mentioned, you mentioned um, basically, I mean, back then, music was telling a story. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely was a voice for I, what I want to say, the ghetto. <laughs> if we could say that even though now looking back obviously it, it wasn't really a voice that you would want to hear now saved right um obviously it spoke about the struggle it, it rallied people but i mean all in all it kept people bound i mean yes truth be told it just kept people bound. Yeah. but you did have artists that were storytellers and that's what made them great artists right and so every artist will will tell their story and you would know yeah this is what they're going through or this is their surroundings, right? This is what's happening in this area, um, or this is what happened in their childhood. They and, and they put it in words that man, it yes. was it was good to listen to. Um, speaking about that, um, everybody wants to know, and this is why you're on the podcast. Your story. Amen. Obviously, you're a, you know you're a songwriter, but people want to know who Jay is, and that's what we're here for. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your upbringing and um, how that was? Sure. So. Um I mentioned earlier that I was always trying to escape something. And, and what I mean by that is uh, growing up, I, I, I experienced a lot of abuse um, from my family, from, you know, a lot of verbal, but mostly physical. I, don't, I can't remember a time where I had a, like a peaceful day, you know, uh, growing up at that time. And so I, I remember growing up as a scared boy who like was just afraid of everything. I was afraid of making the wrong move, saying the wrong thing. I was afraid of, uh, you know, not being on my P's and Q's about everything. Um, because I felt that 
I was always just like one wrong move or wrong, one wrong word from getting beat, <laughs> you know? And so like I walked on eggshells for years of my life. And so music for me became that point of like, you know, where I could just, you know, secretly write this down and, and get it off of my chest and experience what it's like to, to be able to like say what I want to say to them, but on this piece of paper, you know? A form of escape. Right, right. Yeah, it was definitely like the way I coped. And um, so um, you asked, you know, part of that is my upbringing. So that's why I love music so much is because of that. But um, also, you know, to stick to stick with the story here, I, my, my, I guess, idea of what love was, was this. This is pain. This is abuse. This is you know, just rejection all the time, always feeling like you're wrong, doing something wrong. And so I, I think my view of, like, family and love was just skewed. And so to top it off, we were religious, a religious family. Like, we would just go to church, you know, every Sunday. And I remember uh, thinking to myself at a very young age, sitting in a church, going, man, like, why can't they stay like this? You know what I mean? Like, why can't they stay the people I'm looking at right in here Sunday morning. But I knew that once we got in the car, I was back to walking on eggshells, back to doing things wrong. It's like I, I was the only time I was like not in trouble was <laughs> sitting in the church with, you know, with my right. family. And so um, I just really, you know, was afraid of abuse. And uh, and I, I don't say like, oh, I'm, you know, just getting spanked or whatever. Like I experienced some really psychological, you know, yeah. and physical abuse. And so I I would always think to myself like this is you know, this is crazy. Like, why are we even coming here? Like, my view of God was completely, you know, shattered, or, and, and I just was bitter towards it. Like, I, did, I didn't understand how they could sit there and go to a church and, you know, sing and pray and cry and, you know, be healed of things and, and be delivered and prayed for and, you know, and all these other things that were supposed to be supernatural and then walk out of that building the exact same people that I was afraid of, yeah. you know? And so... um at a very early age, I would write about those things. You know, I would write about hating God. I would write about hating the church. I would write about hating, you know, my family. And I, I would really, like, I would express all these things. And um, it, it just became, like, a staple in my life to just write about hate, you know, write about pain and write about suffering. And so um, going on, you know, going on later on in years, I used that as my identity, so to speak. Like, I, I began to, like, develop this hatred for religious things. And, you know, because you got to understand, my whole life was just, you know, school, get in trouble <laughs> every, every day after school, and then go to church on a Sunday, you know. And uh, I, I, it, I rarely made friends. I didn't have very many friends. Um, I would get into a lot of fights growing up. I was, you know, like I said, I was just a scared boy. And so every time I felt um, offended by anybody in school or offended by anybody outside of who I was actually afraid of, which was my family, then I would lash back out, you know. So it would, it would, I would be easily triggered, you know, in school, like just the wrong word, the wrong thing to say or the wrong attitude. And I just felt like there was nothing worse that you could do to me that my family had already been doing to me, you know. And so I wasn't afraid of any of that. So I was, like, really the first to flash on, like, anything, just a really short-tempered kid. And so I would experience, like, that kind of hatred towards people, you know. Um, 
especially since they had no idea what I was going through at home and, and, and you know. And then just like any other thing, you know, you, you, you meet people that kind of have a s- similar story to right. you. And, and so you bond and you realize that we can do drugs together and, and smoke and hang out and be rebels and be angry at the world together and shake our fists and, you know, and so I, I, I was looking for family and love in those scenarios. Like, in those situations, I was looking for people that were going to, what I thought, care about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, at least give me what I wasn't getting at home, which is some type of, like, you know, love, you know? And however form that was coming, you know? I think um, that's why we can relate so much in those, in those years, right, of, 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 we could say, I guess, torment. Um, we tap into the music. Yeah. Because most not even most, all of them, all of them are just battling with something and they're voicing their, their hurt through music. And, you know, same as same with my upbringing, upbringing, you know, I, I I listen to music and it's crazy because (laughs) you go through these phases and you're listening to music that tap into that phase. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, and so... Like someone's reading your book, man. You're exactly. like, yeah, yeah, I feel that. Exactly. So that's why you tap into that music, you know, and you, and you feel like, oh, yeah, this person, he made it. I mean, yes. look at him. Um, he's hurting as well, you know, not knowing that, man, we're both hurting, we're both dying. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, so you said you lived in New Jersey? Yeah. Um, I had a military family. So okay. just to backtrack, and I'm going to give this like a brief story. Like I, I ended up living with uh, my biological aunt who my whole life I thought was my mother. Um, and the reason being is because um, my father and my mother, you know, God bless them now. And, and that's, that's an amazing story I'm, I, I hope I can touch on later. But yes. um, they, it didn't work out for them. Um, some things uh, transpired, and uh, he ended up having to give us up. And uh, I ended up living with my aunt, who I could swore, you know, to the day, you know, I left that house that that was my mother. And um, having said that, she was married to a man who was in the military, and so we traveled a lot. So actually, I spent some time in California, spent some time in Oklahoma, spent some time in um, uh, Vegas, got kicked out of Vegas, went, went, to, went to New Jersey, and spent most of what I call, so I say I'm from Jersey because I, I recollect most of my youth, most of my upbringing, most of my growing up and maturing and, and, and realizing what where I was in life to where I was in New Jersey. Okay. So, like, that's all of my reference points for, like, as far back as I can remember. Like, these are the things where, like, I started off as a child and started to grow into things, started to dabble in the drugs and started to pick up, um, you know, street skill sets, if you will. <laughs> you know what I mean? School of hard knocks, people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I attribute you know, that to my time in New Jersey and – so that that fell apart with my family. I ended up living back here in Vegas. And so um, I was already in high school by the time I got here in, in Vegas. But um, I attribute a lot of my personal growth to New Jersey. New Jersey? Yeah. So when, when you moved out here from uh, to Vegas, you had family out here? or Yeah. So both my sisters. Um, actually, a lot of relatives. My grandma was out here. Okay. Um, so you came to live with them? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, okay. I was it was one home to another you know I found myself hopping a lot between my family I think if if I you know if I could say this correctly like 
I felt my whole life I was just a burden to people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was a burden to this side of my family. I was a burden. So I felt always like, like I was always just somebody, like somebody had to take care of or somebody had to take in. And I never felt accepted. Like, I never felt like my family was really trying. So, like, and I say that and, like, part of me says, yeah, but you had a place to live, Jay, and at least you were still with your relatives. But, you know, in that time, and no disrespect to my family at all because, God bless them, you know. Right, right, right. Um, in that time, I don't think anybody knew what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to say it like that. I don't think anybody had a, had a clue how to do what we were doing correctly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think everybody was just trying to make it. And so a lot of anger came out of that, a lot of, like, you know, irresponsibilities and just doing our best. I, I, I can say that now, but that's not how I felt then. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, that's not how I felt when I was going through right. it. Like, I felt like nobody cared, you know. And so, um, but, you know, now God has given me a different perspective on how I grew up. And, and he's, he's really shed light on what really happened to me in my life and what he was doing in those times, you know. So I thank God for that. Definitely when we look back in, like, in hindsight, that's when we see, like, okay, God, you were there. Yes, yeah. You know, sometimes when, you know, I had a brother tell me, you know, and as soon as he hears this, he's, he's going to know who, who, who he is. <laughs> but he said, you know, you will never know, you know, at the moment what God is doing until maybe months later, years later, you look back and you can just see the whole hand of God, yes. you know, throughout your whole life and situations. And um, I've experienced that in my life, you know, where God is just moving and sometimes I can't see him. And later on, I'm like, my goodness, how did I not know you were there? Yeah. You know what I mean? So definitely, I could definitely, I definitely uh, feel what you're saying right there. So um, when did you get saved? At what age did you get saved? 23. 23. So yeah, before that, I was like a 10-year drug addict. I mean, anything I could get my hands on, I was doing. You know, listening to Randy's testimony last night, I felt that when she said, like, it was just chomping at the bit to grab whatever you can grab. And, and get high, you know? She, w- she mentioned that there was like a pain that, that made her numb, and that felt like that was my, my life for like 10 years. It was just constantly numbing myself to my reality, you know, to what I was going through and what I had been through and what I was putting myself through, you know, even at that, you know? Because yeah. uh, I carried that hatred and bitterness when I was already away from, from the people that I felt like were hurting me, you know? I was already gone, I was already like, living on my you know on my own and doing my own thing and and uh I carried that you know I carried that bitterness I carried that hatred and so like I put myself through a lot of pain you know in those years that I felt like I always had to numb so just like music was an outlet for me when I was younger I found drugs (laughs) and that became an outlet for me as well and I in fact I started to really just let go of, of of that passion I really just started like I saw for me, what I thought was seeing the world for what it was, that it was a dirty place and that it was a violent place and that it was uh, uh, all, all for one, I mean, uh, all for yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like a, you know, survival of the fittest, right. you know, type of mentality. And so I emulated that. And it, like you were saying how, like, you are influenced by the music. At that time in my life, um, like, the music influence was so heavy on just taking what you want. And it was no longer like telling the story for me. And it, like when I was younger, it was like kind of relatable things. Like yeah. you said, like, man, I can relate to that. That's the generation that I'm right. in. And they, they gave you hope a little bit, you know. But at this time in my life, 
in, into my teens and into my high school years, it was all about what you could take and all about what you could grab. Like, you know, and two, the, the 2000s was just like, it, it stopped being about like, you know, char- building character and uh, coming out of the, the pit and, and being somebody. And it just started being about like, knock over whoever's next to you, <laughs> you know what I mean, to, to get to the top. And I, and I, I embraced that idea. So at a very, you know, at that time, at a very critical time in my life, I just decided, like, I'm going to be about myself. I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, and so I pursued money. Quick question. When, when did you open that door to drugs? At what age? 13. At 13 years old? 13 years old. I, I wouldn't say, like, that would, I don't know. Like, I, would, I was sneaking my family's cigarettes, you know, at 12, 11, you know, like I was, we lived in a forest and like, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I mean, like we lived in the forest. I was just actually showing somebody like a Google maps of where I grew up on this mountain and it's like acres of land, you know, so like just acres of land and trees. And so um, I would, I would sneak, I would, I would sneak in their, like their purse and, you know, grab cigarettes and then take off deep into the woods, you know, at 11, (laughs) you know, 12 years old and, and think I was somebody because I was smoking, you know, cigarettes. And then spend hours out there trying to air it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like an idiot. Yeah. Um, so, so, so 11, thir- yeah. 13. But I guess that would be the door, you know, right? But, but drugs, man, it was like, it, in a small, in, a, in my small town, it wasn't much to do. So it's, it, and it's not hard to figure out who has what, you know? And so it's, as soon as I started making friends with those guys, it was game over, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I started, like, eating shrooms and smoking weed out in bonfires and just spending a lot of time outside, you know, being a weirdo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Being a Starbucks drinker? No, no. no. <laughs> shots fired. I'm shots kidding, fired. I'm Get kidding, it? I'm I said kidding. shots fired. <laughs> so what time did you go out? How old were you when you went out on your own? Um, so that was back and forth. I, I got, you know, I was basically my, my aunt who I called my mom at the time was just like, you know, done with me, done with me. And so we got into a violent altercation with my, her husband, in which case he just said, Oh, you, you want to be a man? You're a man. All right, go be a man. And he filled his duffel bag his, cause he was in the military. He filled this military duffel bag and just kind of threw it at me. Let's go be a man. So when you say violent altercation, you got tired of hands getting put on you and you decided to put I, on yeah, hands. I, I snapped back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not proud of that. Like I, I used to tell that story. Like I was proud of it. Like, yeah, I just, I did something, but uh, knowing that the man or the kid that I was then, now, as the man I am today, I'm not proud of that that guy, you know, right. just no self-control, <laughs> you know. And so, like, I, it, it, I I used to tell that story as, like, a tough guy story, like, oh, man, like, I, I was proud of myself for having defended myself. But that's not really the case, you know, now that I'm looking at it, you know, from this point of view. But bottom line is you were a volcano that was going to erupt at some point. Yeah, I, I bottled a lot of things in. I did. And, um... Again, it was all out of fear. So none of, and, and I want to get to this too, because we, we earlier before we started live, we were talking about just like the violence of, of me. And I, I loved to fight. I loved getting into scraps. I loved getting in, you know, into that kind of drama. I loved the physical altercation. It just did something to me. I don't know. I can't even explain it. I just, 
I enjoyed that that kind of it's trouble. a rush yeah it's an adrenaline rush it is there's very few adrenaline rushes that match fighting mm-hmm. and then the reward if you win right is like such an ego boost right <laughs> like no you're definitely right <laughs> about that <laughs> you get fans yeah or, all that or yeah right. <laughs> or or street cred right. all so, that. and and so at this point i'm i, I gotta say this i'm one of seven asian kids you know, in, in New Jersey, like one of seven. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know. I was like a, like a leprechaun. <laughs> like I was, it was so rare, so few and far between that like, and it, so I got pressed a lot, you know, and I was small and scrawny and uh, so I got pressed a lot. So I, because of how I was, you know, being brought up at home, I, I did not hesitate to punch somebody in the face. I did not. I, I just, I didn't want that reputation that you could always step on me. Right. And uh, I knew that I had to establish that like at a, at a young age or, you know, even where I was just to do it, just to, all right, like I'll pay the consequences later, but I couldn't live my life like this. Right. And so that you, you guys are right. Like that absolutely began a reputation of like, you know, fighting. And for a while that right is cool until you don't want to fight no more. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Until you're tired of fighting. Or until, like, you're tired of expecting people to, y- you to fight. You know what I mean? You're tired of, like, always. Now you're in a group of friends, and they got drama, and then you got to fight. You know? Like, none of that's <laughs> my business. But because we're there and because I'm associated, like, and because of the, you know, the reputation. And, you know, that breeds a crowd. You know, it's kind of, like, always it's, it's expected of you to be violent. And so... There were times, man, where I I would I would get into a scrap that I didn't want to ever, you know what I mean, be involved in, you know. But it wasn't tough, and it wasn't cool, and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a man of you to to back down in those times. Uh, and so, I I just kind of followed the crowd. You know, well, you can't. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. You can't. You can't afford to be betrayed. You can't afford to have people portray you as being weak in the street. Because in the week, it's all, I mean, in the street, it's all about predator and prey. Mm. And it's all about intimidation. And as soon as people think they can intimidate you, it never stops. Right. It's right. almost, it becomes a um, self-preservation mechanism. It is. It is. I, you absolutely right. I've never been able to, to express that the way you just did. But I felt like I was always getting put in the corner of predator or prey. You were either going to, you know, be somebody's lunch, you know. And, and it, you're right, it is that. And what that also brings to the table is that you're expected to be the predator. You know what I mean? So I spent years of my life just, like, trying to, you know, not and, and this isn't just the fighting thing. I just always was trying to take dominance over my situations, you know. Um, always try to put things, you know, in, in so where I can control the situation. Or, like, I was always, you know, calling, you know, whatever shots that I wanted to call. And that kind of bled through my whole life. Like, if I didn't want it, I didn't have it. And so, again, going back a little bit, like, I, I just wanted to make some money. Like, yeah. I was always broke my, my whole life. I, did, I hated being poor. Uh, like you said, the music was an influence. So I thought the easy way to make money was to sell drugs. And so I got into that. I, I got really, really into that, you know. And um, that, that consumed my whole life. You know, it here, especially here in Vegas, it's extremely easy to be that kind of person 
here in Vegas. Yeah. In Jersey, like you, like once you were that kind of person, you were already like kind of tagged as that kind of person, and everybody knew your moves and. You know, so it's really hard to to be successful because eventually you get big enough, they'll catch you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Small towns, they'll figure it out. But here, it was just so many options and so many people doing the same thing and so many. And I, and at the time, like I just wanted to be accepted. Like I said, I was trying to find love in a you know in in some type of group, you know, or some type of camaraderie. And so I found guys that were like minded and, and you know let's like let's go make some money. And it was like protect each other and like look out for one another. Like these are my brothers, and uh, I I I loved it. I loved the rush of being able to just go out into the street and like whatever happens was you know I was calling the shots. I was you know right. people were calling me for things and I was going to the parties and I was doing whatever I wanted to do and I was always with my boys. You know what I mean? Like I always felt protected, and so there was like several years where I felt like yeah this is exactly what I was. I was looking for this whole time, people to just have my back and support me, you know what I mean? And I'm making money and I got a lot of friends and I'm literally meeting all my needs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And then it's that, it's that, man, tale is all this time. You, you have it all, but then there's a void, right. you know? I, I, I knew, and I want to say this, I always felt that what I was doing was wrong. There wasn't a time that I would, a, a day that I would lay down, put my head on the pillow and go, bro, you're, you're, you're hellbound. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I would argue with myself, like I was talking to God, because I didn't really have like a relationship, but I'd be like, man, Jay, you're just playing the cards you're dealt, bro. Like, this is God's fault. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, he, he laid these cards out for you to play, and you're just playing them the best that you can. And I would give myself, like, justification. I would give myself excuses to, to keep living the way I was living. But there had always been a conviction in my heart that I, what I was doing was wrong. And that stems all the way back from just going to church at a young age, you know, and just hearing, you know, that, that there's a God, you know. And I, I didn't know who he was or where he was from and which one he was at the time. But I was just, I knew that I was accountable to somebody. I knew that. There was a record of my life somewhere, you know. Yeah. I always felt that my past was going to come back to bite me. I always felt that way. And whatever you want to call it, I always felt that, that God was, had his finger on, on my pulse the whole time, you know, just like, I know what you're doing. I know where this is all going. And so um, I got to the point in my life where, I, man, I'm, I'm bound. Like, I'm addicted. I'm having all kinds of relationship problems. Um, my, the friends that I felt like were, you know, the people that I was most loyal to were now doing things behind my back and, uh, you know, basically stabbed me in the back. And I was finding out little by little that I couldn't trust my lifestyle. I was finding out little by little that like nothing was secure and that this bubble that I had built around myself with friends and money and, and, you know, my vehicle and my house and, and, and just the protection that I felt like I was cocooning myself with was all glass, you know, like it was, it was coming down. And I started to realize that like nothing was stable in my life. My whole life was unstable. I, I would, you know, I, for lack of a better term, like I was a class clown around my friends. Like I was always smiling, always happy, always doing something, but you know, it was all a facade. It was all just me trying to seem like I've had it all, you know? And so 
that void began to be more and more real to me as, as my life started to spiral. Like it was like God was peeling back, you know, what was fake in my life and showing me the big hole that, <laughs> that I had been trying to cover, you know? And, um, it got to the point where, you know, now I'm uh, an addict. I'm a heroin addict. I'm a cocaine addict. Um, I, like I I would take as many pills as I could to, to be normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's so hard to explain because, uh, to, to anybody who's never been an addict, like I actually had a conversation with somebody at work and, and the guy said, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, being so addicted to something that you would, you know, stab your family in the back or like, or steal from them or, or like have to do it to feel normal. And, and I said, I can't even explain it to you. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Cause it is that bad. It's a, it's a, it's a spirit, you know, and it, it's tormenting and there's, it's more than just um, your physical dependency. Something happens to you, right? Spiritually, supernaturally, you are you are you're in it deep, you and, know. And it's to the point where you feel like your whole life is sustained by this. So if you don't have it, your life is terrible and miserable. One hundred percent. It's like having water. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like needing water. It's it's you. You, an addict feels like without this, I cannot live. I honestly, I used to, I used to go to work, and if I didn't have one or two in my pocket to, to pop while I was at work, I would have a panic attack. Like I would already see my day being horrible. You know what I mean? Just to not go through with the the, uh, the withdrawals and just that dependency. You know, it, it absolutely controlled my life. And um. But I was very open about it. Like, I would tell my friends, yeah, I'm going to get high at work. Like, and I would joke about it. Like, go get drunk at work. Like, I would, these things were, like, funny. And I would right. make it seem cool, but, like, make it seem fun that I was getting away with something, you know, right. while I was supposed to be working. But at the end of the day, I was broken. Yeah. I was messed up. Like, I want to I mention something because this is kind of like a revelation that I got, you know, and especially for, for, for men because us as men, we're so prideful, yeah. especially – your upbringing. I mean, you're 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 a violent person. You're hanging on to a lot of hatred, and um, it's it's molding and shaping your whole life. But you know, a person like that, and and I want to tap into your conversion experience. Your when you got saved, because a person like that, it's it's hard for them to get that waving the towel, yeah. right? That white flag, that yes. surrender. Yes, it's so hard because. For us, it's like we're losing. Yes. That's all we know. Yep. It's either sink or swim, right? And so it's either prey or predator. And so waving that white flag like I surrendered to Christ. He says you didn't even put up a fight. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know what I mean? It, it's that whole that thing. Sucks. It's, it's that whole thing where it's like, wait, I don't want to do that. Because right. the way I live. Like I got fight in me. No, exactly, I can do this. The way I live, surrender means you quit. Right. Like surrender means you had nothing else in you that that was able to fight. And it's probably the strongest thing you could do. Right. Exactly. Not knowing that you yeah. gain everything when you do uh, yeah. wave that flag. It's like the biggest know? sacrifice. It's the know? biggest sacrifice, but you get everything after that. Yes. Come on. So what broke what broke Jay? So now I'm at a point in my life where I've, I've to me, I've felt like I hit the top. I've, I'm, I'm making the money I want to make. You know, I'm in the relationship I want to be with, uh, and and I have I have what I have, you know, and I'm happy with it. And then all of it comes crashing down. And to make a long story short, I have I'm at the top, and now 
I'm living on some guy I just met's couch, like between his couch and his floor, you know, and I'm spending some time there. I ended up on uh, Charleston and Rainbow. Uh, I had a place in Jones in 215 and, and some bad things happened and I lost everything. My, my vehicle, my car, just it, it all, my whole life spiraled. Uh, and I end up at this guy who I, ju I just met him. You know, I just had, had met him and sold him some stuff. And we actually linked up. I hung out at his house or whatever. And he ended up saying something to me like, you know, man, if you ever need anything, let me know. And then he was the only person that wasn't connected to the rest of my life. You know, and so when all of this like came crashing down, I, I hit the <laughs> I hit him up for the favor. Like I called yeah. him on it like, hey, you said this. And he's like, yeah, man, no problem. Yeah, you know. And so I ended up, you know, living at this guy's house. Now, he just, I have to say this, he grew up a Catholic. So he's got, like, these massive Bibles, like, sitting on his TV. You know what I mean? Like, he's got... They support the TV so he can like, stay... <laughs> so he can of, stabilize it. One of those Bibles that could easily be used as a weapon. Um, but, Jay, would it be going too deep to, to elaborate on the crash? Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, that's a long story. So, but long, yeah, I ended up losing everything in that crash. I lost my girlfriend at the time. I had, I, at one point I was in the hospital for taking like 10 hits of ecstasy. Um, I, the person, so I got to say this, the person that was witnessing to me had been witnessing to me for about six months before this, this, my whole life came and crashing who's, who's down. Who's this person? Uh, Diane Limpresser. God bless okay. you. God bless the Limpresser family. Thank you all very much. I remember that. And so, um, I was, at the time I was, I had this little gig working at the Orleans and I would be stuck at this cart working and she happened to walk by and remember who I was. And we had mutual friends who I used to sell drugs to. And so she, we would kind of connect first and be like, oh, do you still talk to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was like a really cordial conversation at first. And then, it, and then like as time went by and as I would see her at this event, like she would, she would start to tell me about Jesus, which I thought was n like loony. <laughs> like, like I, like, I remember, I feel like I remember selling your friends drugs. And so I associated her with that lifestyle. <laughs> like, you are not, you're not telling me about Jesus. Because the one thing I wouldn't do was, was, was talk about God very much, if at all. Because I knew that if I stepped into that conversation with anybody, like, I would have to, d like, defend the truth that I knew about it. You know what I mean? Which was that I'm going to hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not living the right way. And uh, I didn't want to hear anybody else's theology. Like, I just knew that they were justifying what I was trying to justify was, you know, which was a sinful lifestyle. And so this person would witness to me. And so, like, this person would see me with black eyes. My head would be uh, bleeding. Like, I would, I would, at one point, she said she couldn't recognize me. She's like, I didn't even recognize you. <laughs> like, and it was like, it was that bad, you know. Uh, I was, again, I was, you know, I lost a ton of weight. Um, and so, yeah, I, long story short, I ended up losing all of that while this person's, you know, Diane's, uh, witnessing to me. And I remember being really, you know, offensive towards her towards the end. I got kind of sick of it. Like, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like, I don't want the invites to church. I don't want any of that, you know? And so I am now taking stock of my life, right? I'm sitting, I'm sitting in this guy's house taking stock of my life and I have absolutely nothing 
um, the girl that I was with broke up with me and, you know, I'm emotional. So like, I felt like that was the end of, you know, of that, like, and so I'm, I'm barely hanging on to my job. I don't have anything on me, you know, to make really any substantial money on. I knew this guy was going to start, you know, pulling his hand out for rent. And I was just like, man, this is not, it's not looking good for me. So I, I wanted to opt out. I just, I just, that was it for me. I, I had reached rock bottom. I felt the high that I wanted to feel. And I was like, you know what, this isn't, it's life is not just, it's not worth living no more, you know, like, and as dramatic as that sounded, I felt that way. I felt like it doesn't get better than what it was for me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I peaked and that, and that was it. And so, um, I, I planned on calling, you know, my connect and, and getting as much as I could from him and just ODing. And, um, so as I'm making that phone call one night on a, on a Friday night, Diane calls me. And she's like, basically like, sound like she's weeping. She's telling me, she's like, God, you know, I was praying for you. And God told me that you're to stop what you're doing, you know, and that, and that, um, you were like that the way I was living was going to kill me. And I was like, super offended by that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that's convenient. (laughs) Wow. You're about to kill yourself. (laughs) Like. That's oddly specific, and yes, yes, that's, um, and so I'm like, I'm, at the time, I'm like floored by this conversation, like, like, what? And, and at the time, kind of like offended, like, let him tell me himself, <laughs> you right. know what I mean, kind of thing. And so, like, just to get her off the phone, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, like, I'll, I'll do whatever you, you know, like, just whatever you say, right? Like, I remember just trying so hard to rush her off the phone, and she was like, um, just come to this concert tomorrow. Or come to church tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, church? It's Friday night. Like, who goes to church on Saturday? She's like, no, 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 it's not church. It's a concert. You know, and I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll go to the concert. My, my, my buddy Richard is going to uh, look for you there. So go look for Richard. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, whatever. I'm trying to get her off the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go look for Richard. Yeah. Find <laughs> Richard. Go to, the, go to church. Find Richard. <laughs> Got it. And then so I hang up the phone with her and I call my connect. I'm like, Bro, and I, and I give him this whole spiel of how I'm gonna, I need to front and I'm gonna pay him back and blah, blah. And he's like, Yeah, bro, I, I would have been with that, but um, I'm already like, I just, I just got rid of what I had. Wow. Like, he's like, If you would have called me five minutes earlier, we would have been good. Wow. I was on your side of town already. Like, I was, and I was mad at, mad and mad and mad, at, mad as I could ever be at someone I didn't even know, like Diane. I was like, Are you serious? Like, you just ruined my whole night, you know? Right. And so I'm like, to the point where now where I'm like, just kind of like, in this anxiety mode, you know, and um, I'm not connecting the dots whatsoever. So he's like, call me tomorrow. I'm going to re-up. I'll hit you up and we'll take care of it. So I spend the whole night like going through withdrawals, trying to pop pills, trying to get through it. And, it, and uh, it's painful, like like the AC cutting on in my house and it hitting me felt like, you know, like I was getting cut up. You know, it, I was starting to get sick. And um I kept calling this guy literally on the hour, every hour the next day. And he finally like bugged out on me. I was like, bro, you need to chill. Like go do something like go get busy. (laughs) Like I'll call you when I'm, when I'm ready. And so I remember thinking I couldn't be in this house. Like I couldn't, I couldn't sit in this house waiting for this guy. And I don't know, like just something was like, go to, go to the church. And so I realized on the address of like the, the church was right across the street from where I was. <laughs> no way. I was on Charleston and Rainbow. The church was on Sahara and Rainbow. Wow. And I was like, oh, I could walk there. 
right? Because I knew, like, I knew where this church was. Like, we had had conversations about this church. And right. In fact, I had been at this church with an ex-girlfriend of mine, like, years, like, back. I just have, I just remember, I remember I was in there, and me and her were, like, kind of bugged out, and then left, and then, like, smoked a cigarette and never came back. Like, so I remember where this church was, right? And so... I'm like, all right, so I walk there. So I finally get there, and I'm in this church, and um, I call my sister because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to, like, I don't know. <laughs> give me some give me terminology. <laughs> give me some words right, right now. I Be need. Thou. <laughs> like, Which one I should I say first? Right. <laughs> my sister shows up, and she's like, I can't believe you want to go to church. So she shows up, and so we're sitting um, or whatever, and I'm, like, just fidgeting around. I'm losing it like i'm just trying to get through this day and here's this white boy and he starts rapping about jesus and i'm you know in music so i'm like i wouldn't be caught dead rapping about jesus <laughs> like oh you won't let me play something for you <laughs> Hold on, are we talking about <laughs> we're talking about baki yeah 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 pastor baki who and, can flow yeah he, and he man you know what and i gotta say this like it wasn't that he couldn't I just said I wouldn't be caught dead doing right. what he was doing. Right, like, right, with right. the skill that he had, I wouldn't have been in here. In, right. this, in this, what I thought was a janky building, <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean, rapping about Jesus. And, but he was so passionate about what he was saying. That, so the thing that really touches me with music is, if, like I said, if you can bring me to your zone, like if you can move me from my place into your, into your reality, then, like, I get that. And when he was rapping, I was... I felt like I was like, like I had the Holy Ghost. You right, know what right, I felt right, like right, I was, right. I was, you know. You were walking on water. Yeah, I was like, man, this is, I, I could do miracles too. You know? <laughs> but like, but at the same time, like there was a, there was a fight happening in, in me, you know. And there was like, so I'm trying my best to get my mind off of my own personal goal and listen to this guy. But I'm the whole time judgmental because I'm like he he can you know he can rap, but right. I wouldn't be rapping about this, right? But he there was conviction behind it. There was a truth to what he was saying that I knew that, like, I could watch him and I knew that he believed it, you know? And um, Lightweight kind of jealous about it when I was watching it, you know? Yeah. And uh, then Ivan gave the altar call. And, man, that was, that was something else, you know? I thought, I absolutely thought that Diane had called the church and told them that what kind of guy was going to walk in that night and that, it, that they should talk about him. You know what I mean? Because he was, Ivan, lo and behold, who became, you know, a really good friend of mine, was, had the similar story, you know, just, and so he was, he was sharing his testimony, but I thought he was talking about me. Right. You know, so I was like, I felt, again, offended. Like, I'm ready to fight somebody. <laughs> like, there's no way. Like, you just put my business out there. I just walked into this building. Like, how disrespectful. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, man, the spirit of God, you know, fell on me. And, and when he said, you know, raise your hand, and um, he said, what have, what have we got to lose? Like, that was, the key, that was the key phrase that, like, really, like, I really thought about what he said then. Like, what have you got to lose? And I was like, yeah, nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep, no, that adds up. I got nothing to lose, you know? And so I, I remember hitting that altar, and um, my prayer was like, Holy Ghost. It sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like one of mine. Those are the prayers God hears the most. Right. right. <laughs> like, it just, you know, it was really phlegmy and, you know, like, but man, I meant it. I meant every single word in that moment. And God changed my life. 
Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a 10-year drug addict. I am bound by opiates and, and really literally anything I can get my hands on. And I stood up from that altar, and I was absolutely delivered. Like, no withdrawals. I, I didn't want to get high. I felt like I was looking at the world in a different light. I felt like this whole... Everything came off, not even just off my shoulder, but off my heart and off of my mind and off of like my like my worries, my stress, my anxiety. It felt like I had never gone through the things that I'd gone through. And it, it floored me because I wanted so much to pull back like, no, this is no, no. Like I didn't have those reference points in my life to be angry about. I was just delivered, you know, and it was like such a glorious moment for me. And I remember like just when I was crying. Cause I don't do that. I'm a man, you know. Right. I'm a fighter. So, <laughs> so, I, re- I remember. I remember like not even caring and just letting it go. Like and just le- like letting myself have this moment where I felt God had intervened in my life. Yes. And it was amazing. Like it was, man. I can't even. There's no words to describe it. It was just amazing. And then you know. My weirdo self came back and was like, "No, no, no, dude, this is, this is just a moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, this is just, this is just an experience. You're being emotional, or whatever. But man, I could not get out of my mind what he did, and what he did was deliver me. Amen. Right? You know. So after that, I mean, did did you just stay coming to the church, or was there still a moment where you were still battling and then came back in, or? Or did you just stay? Right. So I, I referenced a lot of me going to church from that. So I, I started serving God. I mean, I went all in. I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I'm supposed to do. Like, they asked me to do something. I'm going to get it done. You know what I mean? My whole life changed. God was actually moving in my life. I ended up not living in, on that couch anymore. I ended up with the Limpersert and their family. And eventually, I ended up in the men's home, which, which supernaturally, like, changed my life like that the the experience with the men's home changed my life then I ended up getting married which was I thought was impossible to my beautiful wife G we had a kid like it was just we have two kids now and it's just like God is blessing me blessing me blessing me but we had our first kid and um again I felt I was at the top here I am you know peaking again you know and this is this is amazing like or whatever and just I, I began to get comfortable, you know, I began to figure out, you know, how this, to, to me, how it all operated, you know, I began to take the glory of God and institutionalize it, you know, I began to, I began to just see my day-to-day Christianity as something that uh, was like another mundane affair of life, like I lost the, the, the power, you know, I lost I lost the, the ability to recognize God's hand in my life because, you know, I reference everything off of what, you know, things that are going wrong. You know, if God fixes the things that are going wrong in my life, that means God's in my life. Right. But when there's nothing to fix, I'm like, where are you at? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what are you fixing? What's going on here? And so I felt I got really complacent. I, the disciplines in my life began to fade. Prayer life began to fade because, you know, in my mind, and I want to say this, uh, before we go on is um, I didn't understand worship. And, mm. and this is really when I, what I want to drive home in my testimony is I didn't understand worship. And what I mean by that is that I would pray to God to, to meet some needs or whatever. And I would thank God 
but I wouldn't worship God. See, this is, this is, is being thankful is one thing. Like, like you just, you, I, like if I bought you a burger, you'd be thankful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, no, yeah, 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 but God is worthy of worship. Like, it's right. His worship that matters, not anything right. that He does for you. It's just Him. Right. It's who He is and His worship. You know, and so like I lost that, or I don't even know if I really understood that. You know, and so as my life began to go on, like I just got bored. You know, and that's that's you know. I'm going to be honest. I just got bored. I got bored of sitting um, in the church. I got bored of, of even feeling conviction, if I can be honest. Like, I would feel conviction. I'd be like, man, here we go again. You know what I mean? I got bored of judging myself. I got bored of disciplining myself. I got bored of, of basically trying to shape my life into the man of God I felt like God wanted me to be. I just got bored of the process. And because of that, I ended up backsliding. Eight years later, I ended up backsliding. And I get to this point in my life where now I, I really feel like I messed up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like now that not only. So for those who don't know what backsliding is, just touch up, touch on a little bit about backsliding. Just so because there's going to be people here that are like, I don't I don't know. I don't understand the terminology. I don't know what the word backsliding means. Gotcha. What, what actually happened for me on a very personal level? I was it, it would be like I'm in relationship with God, you know, and now I'm no longer in relationship with God. And so to me, that was like letting go, like turning away from God and going back into the things that God didn't want me to do, you know, or the, the, the relationship with the world, you know, if you will. And so for me, backsliding meant that I was completely separating myself from the will of God. Like I, I was pushing away at, at him, you know, and no longer wanting to live that life, no longer wanting to be in relationship with him, just wanting to serve myself, you know? So that was a working that was already in process while you were in the church. I was in the church, yeah. So when you finally said, okay, I'm leaving the church, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop serving God. Yeah. I mean, how quick was it from I'm going to stop serving God to now I'm just back and doing what I, I don't know if necessarily it was doing everything. Yeah. Um, you could touch on that because I don't, I don't know your, yeah. your testimony personally but I mean how fast was it was did you have to deceive yourself no no in fact so the the my leaving the church ultimately was just waiting on this pivotal moment to see if I could reconnect with with some people that I knew were still living that life and so I was one of the second I reconnected I was out and it it wasn't there wasn't a process it wasn't like a how fast it was just like this moment to the next it that was it you know I was already I, I dove, you know, I, 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 pr- I took pride a little bit in saying either I'm going to be, you know, in the church or I'm going to be out, you know. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm out, which is stupid, like very, very silly, right? right? Like, and I just wasn't thinking with the mind of God. And, you know, and so I ended up doing all the same things that I was doing and um, really letting myself go again, neglecting my family at this point. Like, so I, like I said, I felt like I was worse off, you know, um, just like the Bible says, I was worse off because I was now at this point, it wasn't just affecting me. It was affecting my wife. It was affecting, you know, the job that I was working, you know, at the time. And, and it was affecting my kid. My wife was pregnant at the time. And so I found myself running away from God, you know, avoiding um, conviction and, and, and really blaming God for a lot of things. And uh, again, all over again, like really mad at him, like he didn't move the way I wanted him to move or he didn't <clears throat> change my life enough. You know, like how selfish of me, you know what I mean? Right. Like he wasn't doing enough in my life. So I had to, I, I was basically 
trying to find my own way again. You know, like I did the God thing, guys. Like it didn't work, you know. So now I'm back in the world doing whatever I want to do, which is, you know, completely arrogant, you know. And so I now I'm back in the world and, and I'm, you know, back in the drugs or whatever. Now I'm addicted. I'm bound all over again. And um, it took some time. I, I thank God for our fellowship and I thank God for the relationships that are built here because there were faithful men faithful men that did not hesitate to call, to show up, to say something, to extend a hand in, you know, in care and in love. And, and that's what we're about. Like, I never had that, you know, I never had that. Like I was telling you back, you know, earlier that I was always looking for people to care yeah. and here it was, you know, and, and in my sin, I'm, I'm blind to it. And these people are extending a hand and showing me love and, sh- and trying to bring me back. And I'm, neglecting the whole thing well that entire time I'm backslidden I'm, I knew that God was just around the corner like <laughs> you know like waiting to do something for me One in my decision life away. just to, to get me to, to turn you know and um I'm, I'm at I'm at the I'm at the um, a concert the Route 91 concert I end up catching a gig there for like three days and you know for those of you who don't know that's like it, there was a mass shooting man unloaded you know firearms into a crowd at a concert and um it was it was just tragic it was tragic and i i was there and i experienced it and i remember not to glorify what he did but i remember watching you know life like a vapor you know like here today and gone tomorrow and I, I remember looking at the reality that tonight I, I, I probably wasn't going to make it, you know? Like, there was just this fear that came over me that basically said, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not here forever. And you need, you need to make a decision. And so I felt God pulling on my heart. And so in the event, I don't want to, you know, go over the details or whatever because I, I want to glorify God in this and that God from beginning to end would not stop comforting me, you know, mm. like comforting me. Like, and I, and, and I don't even know how to explain what it's like to, to, to reject somebody who's just is pouring love on you, you know? And that's what I felt like I was. And I felt like such a, uh, a dirt bag for it. I just felt so low for it. Like here's God pouring love on me. Like, you know, protecting me and guiding me and, and just reassuring me that I'm going to make it. And the whole time I was, you know, running from him yeah. and, and hating. And I just, again, once again, felt the love of God, like, pour out on me, like that first time, you know, that first time at that altar. And it, it, he reminded me who he was. Like, he reminded me how good he is. And he reminded me that he was worthy of worship, you know. And that, that, that broke me. And so I, I remember saying to God, and I, and I hate praying like this, but God, if you get me out of here, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'll come back to church. And Jason Bruce, God bless him, put himself in danger, got in his vehicle, drove down to the strip, met me um, as close as he could meet me, you know, and, and without hesitation, just showed up and was there, you know. And I remember him, I knew how the conversation was going to go. I knew that after I got to after I told him what I, what I just got through and what I experienced, he was going to bring the gospel. 
I knew it. I knew that I knew it, that I was going to explain to him that whole night and, and what I was just traumatized by, and he was going to take the time from to just preach the gospel, and he did. And thank God he did, because as much as I rejected it and I, and I hated it and I hated every word he was saying, he was absolutely right, that God loved me and that God has a plan for my life and that God, you know, wasn't using this tragedy to scare me, but he was but I need to open my eyes to the reality that I'm not here forever, that I'm here today, gone tomorrow, that I, that life is a vapor, you know, and that, I, you know, where I was at the time was not in a good place. I was on my way to hell again, you know. And so I remember getting home from that night, you know, and, and cleaning up and washing up blood off, off me and, and, getting in front of my wife who almost had our second baby because of this incident. She was <laughs> almost thrown into labor because of the stress. And um, Jay, pause just for a second. When you say washing blood off you, was that blood that splattered on you from people getting sh shot? You trying to help people I that couldn't got shot? I could even tell you. Um, yeah, there was, there was, we, the, the fridge that I was working on, I actually posted a picture, had blood all over it. Um, they was used as a gurney to get people out and you're just picking people up as much as you can. And the whole thing is a scramble. And so uh, somewhere along the lines, you know, I got, I got someone's blood on me and I, that first thought was, it was mine, but, um, it wasn't, you know, and, but, but so <laughs> it's obvious you weren't just there spectating. You were right in the middle of, yeah. in the line it, of fire. It's, it's a, it, you know, essentially it's just a parking lot <clears throat> that you're in you know, that's gated off. And um, there's only three exits or two, I believe, or two or three exits or whatever. And so there's, there wasn't many places for the people to go, uh, for us to go. And it, we all funneled in to, you know, to two areas. So um, everybody that was there was in it as, as much as anybody else could be in it. You know, it, it wasn't like a, <clears throat> I don't think there was an opportunity to just be outside of that and look at that, you know, look at what was going on like you were in the thick of it when it started, and and if you were present, it was it was a it was a mess everywhere, everywhere was a, a complete mess. Um. Yeah, but going back, I'm <clears throat> looking at my wife, you know, and I'm I'm in like I'm in remorse, you know, I'm I'm looking at what I've just done and what I've just been through, and you know how close that was, and. And I, it still hadn't hit me, the reality of what happened. You know what I mean? Like, like it was all so surreal to me. Like, I, I remember sitting there looking, like, did that, like, for a while in my living room thinking, did that just happen? Like, is, like, is that, a, I'm turning on the news now, and I didn't sleep that entire night. I'm watching news after news after news. of, And I'm like, I, w I was there, like, and I'm replaying the whole night, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying, and I'm replaying the whole night, and I'm replaying the reality of it, and then I'm replaying the supernatural reality of it, you know, which was more evident to me because of how close I was, you know, to stepping into eternity. And there's no telling whether or not God stopped bullets that could have very easily taken you <clears> out. <throat> Again, that was such a small place. I I don't even know, like how. Man, 
getting out of there is an absolute miracle. And I, I want to say that very cautiously because um, God rest the souls that, of those that didn't make it out. Um, and, and the families that had to grieve over that. So I say that very carefully. And, um, but get, getting out of there was nothing short of a miracle um, for anybody, you know. Um, <clears throat> the hand of God, you know, you, you could look at it from uh, the point of view where it's like, oh, you know, you know, God could have saved them, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. But all I know is that God got me out of there and restored my relationship with him. And so I, I can't tell you, you know, all the dynamics that are happening, but God, God is good. God is absolutely good. God, God shows up, you know, in these times of tragedies to, rem- <clears throat> to, to let us know, like, I'm good and, and I love you. And these things are happening because you're in a fallen world that has completely denied me, has completely rejected me, has completely um, kicked me out of their school systems and kicked me out of their, is kicking me out of their governments. But I'm a loving God, you know? Yes. And so I, I, I was able to recognize that thing because I know how good God is to me and how he has been to me. Even in the times where I hated him, I, like you said, in hindsight, when you look back, you can see where God was the entire time. So God be glorified because so many made it out, you know, on top of that. But, but it's in these times where, you know, the world, I think, as a population has to go, you know, God, are you good? You know what I mean? And, and can you be good for me and to me? You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of doubt that gets thrown, you know, with, with situations like this, you know. But again, we're in a fallen world, and it's, it's people rejecting the love of God that's causing so much here, you know. And so here I am looking at this, the actual reality of what happened, trying to piece together what, you know, like that, what I just experienced, but also knowing that the real reality of my life was supernatural, that I was facing a very hell and heaven situation, a very life or death situation that wasn't only just about life or death, but was about my soul. It was about who I was and where I was going to spend eternity, you know. And I thank God for yet again another chance, you know, to live for him. And so it was a rough road back, <laughs> you know, yeah. stepping back into the church. I had to like put my pride down. I so I've I've uh, over the years I've learned that you know when people come back one of the one of the hardest things to watch them do is watch them wipe guilt off of them and and try to look at the congregation and remember that we love them yeah. because all too often there's this guilt that that it comes over you and you step in and you feel judged. So you know? so true. And so it's not even so. I knew that I was going to be faced with the opposition from hell that was going to try and make me believe that once I step back through these doors, people were going to look at me, you know, shady and, wow. and, and judgmental. And I rebuked that because I know the reality of this place and there's nothing but love here. Right. You know, and, you, and, 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 and I'm sorry to cut you off, but these are the people that I remember exactly where I was at. The same person that picked you up was was the exact same person I was just with probably the night before outreaching in Chicago, Illinois, because mm. um, that's where we were at. That was, there was an impact team, 
and I was still there because I had taken vacation. So I took, I got there early and I stayed a little bit late. Mm. Um, but I remember the text messages, everybody saying, pray for Jay, pray for Jay. We don't know what's going on, but we know he was there. Um, so I remember all the messages, all the phone calls. And, and, and I remember I was in the, in the hotel room. It was, it was pretty late. Um, and my sister giving me that, that, that message, um, Hey, you know, something happened here in Vegas, check it out. It's on the news. Um, and the first thing I try to do is, um, you know, me, I'm back in Chicago. Everybody, everybody has like a police scanner. <laughs> So yeah. the first thing I tried to do was tap into the police scanner through these apps that you could get on your phone. You know what I mean? Everybody does it. <laughs> Tell but, them, but, man. Tell but, them how to do it. <laughs> I, listen, uh, we're not going to get into that. But <laughs> I was trying to do that, and every scanner was cut off here in Vegas. Mm. And I, that's how I knew it was so it, – it was crazy because that never happens. And now I'm starting to turn on the news, and I'm starting to see, and I'm like, I couldn't believe what was happening. But the same people that you feel are going to look at you a certain way when you do step in are the same people that are, yes. are crying out to heaven. Yes. God, please, we know him. You yes. know what I mean? It's, it's the Abraham moment for Lot. Mm. You know, however that ever played out, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. But it's that Abraham moment. God, if you, if you find one, would you say, <laughs> you know on. what I mean? You, you would start from here and end here. You know what I mean? Yes. It's that moment where you really see who your true friends are. You yes. know what I mean? Um, and the same people you, you think coming back are going to be the ones judging you and having a certain perspective when you do come back. Oh, you know, they're going to look at me this, this way are the people that are crying out yes. to heaven, man. And you know, it's just funny that you say that because I myself got so many of those text messages. Are you okay? Are you okay? Where are you? Like, I remember like thumbing through those and, you know, obviously I was just so caught up in, you know, my own experience and what just happened or whatever. But I remember putting in my, you know, the back of my memory files. Wow. Like they care, you know, like I still matter to them. It's been all this time and I still matter. And um, so, yeah, I knew I knew that one of the strategies of hell was going to try and convince me that I was not wanted here, you know. And so I don't know why I'd say that, but if you're listening and you're worried about coming back and your whole issue is like whether or not you're going to be loved and accepted, I, I, I'll, I'll meet you at the door. <laughs> you know, right. look for me. I'll, I'll give you your first handshake, your first hug, your first we miss you. Yes. And this is and it'll be absolutely true because that's exactly how I felt when I came back. The, the really the negativity that I felt was just so. Um, disappointed in myself, you know, I was just disappointed in myself. And so um, I had to get over that because God still loves me and God gave me another chance and he's just such a good God. Yes, amen. And, and so I remember again, you know, finally, cause it was some time, it took some time for me to get over myself. You know, if I can just be blunt, I was just so, you know, so proud, like you said. I just, I just had to sit here, shut up and listen, and just get over myself and, and get over all my reasonings for stuff and just submit. Like, you just, like surrender, white flag, right. here you go. Right. This is Quit all. trying to fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I knew that. I knew that about myself because I'm hard-headed like that. So I was like, I'll, I'll, honestly, I would sit here and be like, just shut up and listen, Jay. Like, stop trying to overanalyze everything and argue over the pulpit, like, to myself, you know what I mean? Like, with what's being preached and just shut up and listen. You know, and just like you don't have it all figured out. You're not the man. You're not 
You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're a vapor. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so just shut up and listen because God's going to impart something. And it, it took some time, but God imparted once again. And so at this point in my life, and in a lot of music that I write now is, is basically centered around this, that God doesn't have to do anything. He's worthy of worship. Amen. That's it. You know what I mean? He is God. And, and so that revelation came to mind that everything that I had gone through and everything that God dealt with was because he was doing away with things in my life that were hindering my worship because he's worthy of that. And that's all I can give him, you know? Like, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to put on the table, not my skills, not my talent, not, you know what I mean, all, all, nothing. There's nothing that I can put on the table to say, here, I, you know, I'm, I'm blessing you with this. No, 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 no. All I can give is worship because that's what he's worthy of, and that's all I can give, you know. And when I finally got that revelation, my relationship with God has grown tremendously, and, and my understanding of how good he is has expanded. And, and now I'm reading the Bible in a, in, a, in a different light. And I'm seeing all the times he's worthy of worship. And, um, you know, from healing to delivering his people to, you know what I mean, to providing all the provisions to, to protecting, all of those things are worthy of worship. From him just saying, I am, yes. that was worthy of worship. And I, and I could see that now also clearly. And... So now it's, you know, the fight every day for me is to not forget that, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's to me what it all boils down to, because I'm going to not only just am I in a good place, if I was in a bad place, he's still worthy of worship, you right. know, but I, I can sit here today with you guys and have complete confidence in God, uh, you know, come rain, hell or high water, he is good right. and he is worthy of worship. Yeah, and, and so like. You know, basically, that's what um, I'm hoping to share is, is someone for to understand like that it isn't your situation. Beyond that, God is worthy. You know, what I mean? and so it, it just I want to drive that home because there's a hindrance to understanding that that for a lot of people have. You know, that that their relationship with God is all based on how well you're doing or or you know how well things are uh, are, are playing out for you or whether or not your needs are being met, you know, uh, having since been back, life has been hard, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, it's not, you know, that everything is on the up and up. And I said this <laughs> in a, in a rat, rainbows and baby deer. It's not all, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not all pretty. <laughs> I remember that, <laughs> you know, but man, he is worthy of it. He yeah. is worthy of our, of our time, our sacrifice, our everything, our surrender. And that's because worship is, of revelation of who God is to you. Yeah. Once you get that revelation, it's like you said, the struggle now is, is remembering that every single day because it, it doesn't matter anymore how you're doing. Yeah. It's just who you know God is in your life. Yeah. And that changes your whole perspective. Right. You know, and, and one thing that changed my perspective on worship was, you know, Pastor Glenn Cluck. He did um, a seminar at conference one time, and the whole seminar was on worship. Come on. And that completely changed my whole way, my whole outlook on worship. It touched me to the core to what you're saying right now is just a reality. It's, it's by him just saying, I am, that's it. He's worthy. Yeah. He doesn't have to do nothing else 
him dying on the cross, shedding his blood and resurrecting is enough. And if he didn't intervene in our lives and only gave us life after death, come on, that's enough. Right. Like, and that's more than what we deserve. Yeah. And I, I want to sorry. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I want to say this. There, there might be maybe some listeners that to you, that's, that's not enough. Right. And I, I got to say this. You haven't gotten over yourself. Mm. It's still about you. And it's still about you being worshipped. It's about him, you know, and if, if it's not enough, then you need to understand that it's about God. It's about Christ. It's about what he did for us. It's about his sacrifice. We have nothing to bring to the table, you know, and like one of my raps I'm saying in, um, in our talents are our verses verbal wordplay. It's about the one who died and rose again the third day. At the end of the day, we have nothing to offer, right. you know, but God is so good that here we are with nothing to offer and he wants all of it. Mm. Think about that. You know, Gail made a powerful statement in the foyer of the old church one day, and it hit me, I mean, like a sledgehammer, and I was overhearing her talk to someone, and she said, we are nothing but dust returning to dust. Yes. And it shook me because it's so easy to think we're all that. Mm -hmm. That's the natural posture and like pastor lamb often says it's it's the wonder yes the wonder of god and when we lose that that's where that mundane perspective comes yeah. in when we lose the wonder of god and like you said understanding that we bring nothing absolutely nothing this is all about his grace mm -hmm. his love his mercy and when we focus on just him and the wonder, it's like I've heard someone say that when we have big problems, we have a little God. Yeah. But when we have a big God, we have, we have very small Come problems. On. Yeah. And when our life is spent in the wonder of God, man. Come on. Circumstances, they lose their hold on us. They, they can no longer affect or depress or... Or take us out. Yeah, and then to to top it all off, He still works it out for you. Yes, right. you know it's not like we're saying that and God won't move. Like we're saying that because through that revelation, He still moves. You know, even under as undeserving as we are. And I always think Amen. of it like this: like if we're gonna cast our crowns at His feet later, we should start getting used to it now. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't lying about that one. And crowns. <laughs> The crown, that's the wealth, that's the statue, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the glory of us. Come on. Which we should throw it all in. Bro, you already know we go on all night, amen. Yeah, right, but this right. is this amazing. Is but, yeah. but that's this that is whole, amazing. Yeah, that's the whole can, conversion experience yeah. of what we heard last night. It's like, you cannot lose that. Right. No. You know what I mean? You can't, because that's what makes everything so real. Yes. You know what I mean? That's. That's what keeps your worship fresh. I, I remember when I first got saved, and I don't know. I don't know maybe if I was 
too intoxicated with drugs still. <laughs> but I remember just looking outside my window and just thanking God. Like I was hearing, I was hearing like the birds chirp. The sky was bluer, the grass was greener. Right. You hear birds for the first time. I was it's living like, in the Lantanas. I can smell I'm looking out the Lantana window. And I'm like, my goodness. The Lantana it window, is, man. It's beautiful. Right. <laughs> Look at all that dumpster. <laughs> You know, but but look right. at all the food they were able to throw away. Right, <laughs> you know, but that, that's what that conversion experience yes. is like when you yes. Yes. When, when it's I all can smell fresh. purple. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> we'll laugh at that. <laughs> we're just having a good time, <laughs> but that's what keeps it all fresh. Yes. You know what I mean, and um, we can't lose sight of that. We cannot lose sight of that because if, if we do, I mean, my goodness, you know what I mean? The 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 devil's at the door. Yeah. He's just waiting. You know what I mean? Um so go ahead. So to kind of cap it off, like I've I've started viewing worship how we were talking about music, that it's now my way to come from the reality and go to the real reality, you know? Like to escape that moment, you know, just like music was for me at a young age, and I can get into the presence of God, mm. you know, where it matters. Where, where I should be, you right. know, and then that's the safe place now. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, definitely. Nothing trumps it. Definitely. Nothing will ever trump that, man. Come on. It's it's something that we can't even explain. We can't even put it in words, honestly. Those moments right there are psh, only heaven will tell. Come on. You know what I mean? Because there's just certain things we cannot explain, we can't put in words, um, moments that, that well, we just know God is right there. And like you said, when we are able to step into that throne mm-hmm. here on earth, it changes everything. Right. And worship does that. Worship changes everything when you are able to step in. Um, man, that was powerful, bro. Glory to God. That was amazing. Yes. Yeah. That was powerful. Um, um, so I guess we should cap it off. And um, I really felt pressed to, to say this that um, one of the highlights of my testimony was understanding God in two different lights. And one was as a complete raw sinner who absolutely rejected God and I am and bitter and angry with God. So I'm going to talk to that group first. You don't quite understand if you're in that moment right now, like I was back then, that there's so much coming against your soul making it to heaven that it, it's it's all it's all a fallen world it's it's all trying to destroy you so if it feels bad it is it is bad if it feels horrible it it is horrible if you're going through things right now it's because again it is it is devastating the situations that we go through as 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 people and naturally we like to think that there's someone in charge and there's someone in control of it all and there's someone that's at fault, you know? And I want to say tonight that that someone is a fallen world. Not not a good God. I want to say tonight that that someone is a fallen world. And so if you're shaking your fist at God, take a step back. Take a step back at all the things God has tried to implement, all his goodness and, and all his love and all his mercy, and ask yourself, is this world following it? Right? And if you can honestly say, to your heart, yeah, well, yeah, there's, there's things that we're not doing that God wanted us to do. 
<clears throat> and you're upset too, just like them, and doing the same things that the world is doing, then you yourself have fallen. Fallen in the, into the same things and the same nature, which is sin. I was like that. I, to a degree, I, everything that I was doing wrong was God's fault. But if I was being honest with myself, I was making choices. I was doing things that was causing sin to grow in my life. And it, I needed to recognize that I was a sinner. That everything that's happening is with this fallen world, I was a part of it. I had my hand in it. I supported it. I was part of the problem and not, and, and not the cure, you know? And so if you want to see a real change in your life, then be part of the cure. Be part of the solution. The solution is God. God has a solution, right? He has a solution for this fallen world. And you're going to keep experiencing the same pain and the same struggle and the same downfall and the same fallen nature if you don't surrender that and give it to God. So tonight we're going to give an opportunity to pray, to just say, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I absolutely recognize that. And I desperately need a change of heart, a change of mind. I need you to come into me, to my heart and completely change me from this broken world into a child of God. And so we're going to pray, but I also want to deal with the second group. The second group is me again. I was able to experience God. But again, I made personal decisions not to maintain that relationship. I fell out of worship. I, I stopped understanding how good God was. And so I sat in the church every single time it was open, finding reasons to be upset, looking for reasons to, to argue you know, with God, looking for reasons to feel like he wasn't doing enough for me, just making random voids in my heart and saying, God, you're not feeling these, you know, when God is absolutely good. And so for you, for the second group of people, you're sitting in the church, maybe you're forced to, or maybe you just feel like you have to do it, or maybe it's like what me and uh, Gene and Junior were talking about, just a mundane affair of life. Get back to worship. You've fallen out of worship. And you need to go back to the place where God is good to you. Because you understand what that is. You understand how good God is. You understand what he's done for your life. You understand how good he's been to the people around you. And again, these are people that you know you love. And you know that God is moving in their lives. And he can move in your life again. But you need to come back to a place where you're in worship. And so whatever's hindering your ability to worship God, deal with it. Be an honest person. Say to yourself, look, I, there, I've, I'm allowing things to hinder my relationship with God. I know that I am because you're making the choice. I'll tell you what, God is so good that he's never, ever putting an obstacle between you and him. I'm going to say that again. God is so good. He is never, ever putting an obstacle between you and him. You are putting it there. Deal with whatever is hindering your relationship with God. Be honest with yourself tonight. Give your life back to God. Go back into a place of worship. Remind yourself how good he is. So to both, to the, both groups, at the end of the day, again, life is like a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow, the Bible says. And, and you might have heard that a million times, and you might have heard it just once, but it's still true, right? You still need to deal with a very real consequence of sin, sin separating you from God, sin hindering your worship, sin causing you to not to have right relationship with God. And so tonight, 
I want to offer, if you're, if you're willing, that you would say right now, God, I've listened to this whole thing and I made it to the end. I find myself in different parts of this story. I find myself being able to plug my life, my scenario, my situation into any part of this testimony, into any part of this conversation. And I am recognizing tonight that I am void, that I am without you. And I desperately want you in my life. I want, I want to return to a place where I can worship you. If you're honest with yourself and you're saying that tonight, I want you to signify that. Just signify that. Recognize that. I'll give you a moment to just recognize this is you. You desperately need God to move on your life. And if you have done that today, tonight, I want you to say a prayer and I want you to mean it with your whole heart. This is the same thing that I prayed. Take a second, take a posture of prayer and say, God, I recognize tonight that I am a sinner that I've done things and I live in a way that does not glorify you. I know that you're a good God. I know that you're not putting any obstacle in my life that's going to hinder my relationship with you. So tonight I want to deal with whatever's hindering that relationship with you. I surrender that to you, whether it be sin, whether it be an attitude, whether it be a mindset, I surrender that to you right now, God. I give it all to you. I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me with the love and a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Help me to experience the love of God <clears throat> the way these guys spoke about tonight. And even more so, because you are a good God. I pray right now that you would become the Lord and Savior of my life. I recognize your sacrifice for me. And from this day forward, I seek your face. I seek to worship you. I seek your understanding and I seek your guidance. Give me the mind of Christ. Put me in right relationship with you. I surrender. Amen. That was powerful. I mean, if, if you stay till the end, I mean, I, I only pray that you prayed that prayer. I mean, there's nothing else in this world that's going to ever take that emptiness, that void out of your heart but giving your life to Christ. And you guys heard Jay's testimony. And honestly, we didn't even touch on everything we want to touch on. I mean, there were still topics about music that we could have went in about. But I think God led us in the right direction. I mean, he had to speak about things that needed to be spoken of. And um, I want to thank everybody for making it, you know, and appointing their time, you know, to listen to this podcast. I want to thank every listener um, that we have. Um, again, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, also, if you gave your life to Christ, we want to stay in touch with you. It doesn't matter where in the world you're at. I mean, we want to give you an opportunity to make and build relationships and possibly give you a church to go to. So if you gave your life to Christ tonight, um, I would say, uh, shoot me an email at uh, I plead the truth at yahoo.com. I plead the truth at yahoo.com. I'll definitely get in contact with you. Um, we want to thank everybody out. I want to thank Gene for coming out again. I want to thank Jay for taking his time. Um, man, God bless you. And I, and I hope that, that you take this to heart and it, you apply it to your life. Uh, once again, this is the I Believe the Truth podcast where the truth will never be censored, where the truth will never be diminished, will never be canceled. Um, 
keep sharing and subscribing um if you can go into instagram uh we do have an instagram page out now it's i plead the truth instagram at i plead the truth uh we want to thank everybody out uh thank everybody for coming out tonight again and um god bless real quick junior folks this is not christian entertainment god moved upon junior to start this podcast because there are people out there that desperately need to hear these testimonies like Jay's tonight. It's up to us to send this to our friends, our family, our co-workers, and to share this with as many people as possible so that God can move in their lives. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you guys, and we're going to leave you with this song. God bless you. Church doors one night. Wasn't planning on making more than to see the sunlight. I wasn't sure if anything would be alright. I made such a mess of what we call life. But then I stepped in, and when I sat down, I felt so out of place, wanting to back out. I greeted people around me with a fake smile, but I was dying inside until you reached out. I heard that you gave a new start. Take a broke heart, exchange for new parts. I raised without pause, pray to no God, and you. You came to save my soul like you promised And now I'm brand new I've been set free Only by the blood of the lamb I'm living dead free So thankful now that you would let me Tell everybody exactly where you met me